you're spending money on something or you're or you're investing time in it, then it kind of helps itself along. Um, yeah. So, you know, usually if you can get a good first few weeks with the platform um, and probably most platforms and you build a, a good habit around it as a coach and also as a player, you know, taking 10, 15 minutes to work through a module, um, yeah. then it just becomes, all right, I've invested time in this, I've invested money and we know it's something that will help and it just becomes a little bit easier to make that sustainable throughout the course of the season. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Sporting Global Podcast. And today I'm here with Nick all the way from West Coast. I mean, like you're technically in Chicago right now, but I mean, like Colorado, you know, usually. So how, how are you, Nick? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing well. Well, it's a pleasure having you here. And how's, uh, I guess, your, your, your stay in Chicago these days? It's good. Um, yeah, I'm, I've been out here for four or five days. Um, so I used to live here um, when I worked for U.S. Soccer Federation for like nice. six months after graduating when I was still kind of getting the business up and running. Um, yeah. So and I and I spent the first like 10 years of my life here as well. So it, it always has a special place, fun city. Um, raining for like the last three days but otherwise <laughs> it's it's good to get back a lot a lot of history in chicago so I, I, it's right it's it's i guess like you kind of look at it as your your second home though in a, in a sense yeah exactly so yeah plenty of friends here some family remaining out here as well so whenever i can get back it's uh it's usually easy enough to come back and see some people so right right well it's a pleasure having you here and we're going to dive a little bit into obviously you know your journey in the sport industry a little bit about like you know what you're doing at sports lab 360 you know like a very interesting you know company and a startup in in the sports tech or football tech world i would say you know more specifically but before we kind of like dive into that i just wanted to like know a little bit about you know how your journey in the sport industry began take us kind of like true i guess uh, where you started and, and, and sort of like where you are right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, got thrown into soccer when I was uh, maybe four or five years old um, as a good alternative to American football or I guess other right. sports. Um, so got pretty into that, you know, once you hit 11, 12 years old is, you know, usually I think when a lot of people kind of it becomes more serious for them. Um, and so at that time, we moved from Chicago to Minnesota, um, you know, joined a couple clubs that were, um, you know, some of the, the higher level ones that were hopefully putting me on a path to to compete at a higher level post club soccer. Um, so obviously played through through high school and then and, and played club um, at that time and then ended up at Drake, which is, uh, you know, small division one school in Des Moines, Iowa, um, which if you've heard of Des Moines, Iowa, I'll, I'll be impressed. No. But, uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say uh, that, but uh, I mean, like, yeah. I'll, I'll just pretend I did, you know? <laughs> there you go. Um, so yeah, like small, small Midwest state. Um, yeah. So played four years there. Uh, and then throughout high school, um, I think I started coaching when I was maybe 15 years old. Um, so yeah. from the perspective of obviously just earning some extra money on the side um, and then also, you know, being able to stay in the game, stay in the field, work with younger players and be able to view the game through a different lens um, was, was super helpful. Um, so really, it was really a matter, ultimately a matter of playing soccer, falling in love with the sport. Um, and then, you know, I, I 
play when I can now when there's a, a good adult league kind of yeah. going on. But for the most part, the boots are hung up, we'll call it. <laughs> yeah. Are you are you still doing some coaching as well? Or when, when the how long yeah. you like go on the coaching journey, I guess? Yeah, so I I was like pretty, I mean, I, I guess I can't say full-time with it, but I was for probably six or seven years, um, you know, I, I would take a team or two and, and be kind of full-time as a head coach for yeah. a couple different clubs. Um, and then, I mean, around the time that I started Sports Lab 360, um, it just became too much to try to balance that with much else. Um, so I, I still, you know, kind of jump in and, and do less formal coaching um, when I can, but as it becomes, I mean, it, in the last couple of years, I've had certainly more, I guess, free time than the first two years of starting the business. So um, I think in the near future, it'll be something I can jump back into a little bit more uh, seriously. So um, yeah, it was good. It, you know, it was, it was good to start on that side of things and, and just put yourself in, you know, basically across the aisle from players and, and see kind of how they're perceiving you and, and what is effective in, in working with them. So. Right. And it's, it's a good, uh, you know, way, I guess, of, of working to be, become a leader as well, you know, in a sense of like just getting that leadership experience, you know, and then also like, you know, uh, very young starting at like, you know, 15, 16 years old. I was actually very similar as well. Like I started my coaching when I was 16. So I'd, I kind of know that kind of like mentally going in there and just, you know, trying to get to know yourself, you know, like building kind of like, you know, all this, you know, structure and tactics and all this stuff. And, uh, and it, it, mm -hmm. it's a good learning experience, I think, for a lot of people. And especially like, you know, if you love, love soccer or, or football, you know, whatever way people want to call it, um, <laughs> then, you know, it's, it, it's sort of like a great way to just, again, as you were saying, like staying, you know, in touch with the game, being part of it, you know, regardless if you're, you know, going to be become like a big, uh, you know, star or not, you know, it's, it's a great way of, you know, also seeing a different side, I guess, of, of, of the space, because once you, you know, put on, I guess, the coaching hat, it's, it's suddenly a lot of different kind of responsibilities. And I have to ask you, though, since you both also were like player and, and coach, how, like, did you, <laughs> like, I thought a lot about this myself, but, but did you notice like any difference in terms of like, your uh, I guess composure as a coach compared to a player like how, were you any different <laughs> uh that's a good question um I would say I don't I, I don't remember ever I, like, I, I do think I did a decent job as a coach of kind of like keeping things in check um and and you know I I wasn't coaching at a at least early on at a super high level. Um, sure, sure. So it was like, okay, like I, I need to remain aware that a lot of these players are out here, you know, first and foremost to enjoy it. And maybe right. some of them have ambitions to, to play in college or beyond, um, but a lot yeah. of them don't. So I think it was maybe, especially after the first, I think the first year with like, you know, your first year as a coach and you're like, you're ready to get out there and like, you're, you're still, probably a little too focused on results and that sort of thing. Right. Um, but I don't ever remember like, you know, getting thrown out of games or shouting matches. And then, yeah, as a player, it kind of just fluctuates. I mean, I think once you get placed in like a college environment where, you know, you're no longer one of the best players on the field, then it becomes just like a little, I think a lot of people, you know, have the same 
challenge where it's like, you got to recalibrate yourself um, and learn to play in a, a quicker environment that, you know, where you're surrounded with, with people who are, you know, as good and better than you. Um, so I would say there was probably more composure through the, through the coaching side, especially just uh, with yeah that, that next level. Part. Very interesting. No, I mean, like it's, I think it's, I think it's very fascinating because I always saw myself as a very calm player. So I never like, you know, I, I barely, I was very like kind player. I mean, like I did my part, but I was, I was never like complaining or anything like that. I just did my stuff and I was doing it well and I shut up, you know, but as a coach, yeah. I was like, I was like, I was a different person. I was like, what happened? You really? Know? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's very fascinating. I, I became very loud out of it, uh, which was, was uh, very, very interesting. I didn't expect that, you know, it was, yeah, it was like going from like being sort of like that person who was like keeping everyone else in shake. And I mean, like, of course, like I was, you know, being composed, but I was like much more, you know, involved, you know, in, in, in a sense, like verbally, but obviously you kind of feel like you have to, because you want to, you know, actively coach and everything. But it was, it was just like, I felt like I was like, huh, as a coach, I'm much more kind of like, just, you know, yeah, it was, it was very fascinating for me. I didn't, I didn't yeah. expect that, you know? So that's why I like, yeah. I thought it was interesting to like bring that up because I was like, maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just weird in that sense. I think it <laughs> but, might be, <laughs> but uh, I do feel like most people, I, I mean, if you're on the field, obviously they're, you're in the heated moment. There's yeah. at least for me, more emotion there than, than coaching. So, right. yeah, I mean, I, there are probably much more moments when unproductive, things were shouted as a player compared to right. a coach. But. Very, very, very fascinating. I mean, like I just swapped it, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyways, um, let's, let's talk a little bit about like, obviously, you know, um, Sports Lab 360 and um, like, just tell us a little bit about what it's, what it's all about and how the, how the ID came to life first and foremost. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so yeah, I mean, throughout playing and throughout coaching, um, and, and, and maybe you've heard this too, but you, you know, you hear, especially in the last, I don't know, five to 10 years and, and probably before that, but um, you know, soccer IQ, football IQ has become such a buzzword. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of people are doing it well as, as far as coaching it and like putting actual things in place to address it. Yeah. Uh, and then I think there is still a bit of a, you know, epidemic of people maybe realizing that it's important and even talking about it a decent amount, but like, when it comes to actually, you know, prioritizing that as a component of player development, um, you know, you, you still don't see it completely across the board. So as a player, it was something that I noticed, um, you know, I, I could do an okay job of coming up with certain drills or activities to do solo in my yard, for example, to work on speed or technique or, you know, anything else. Um, but when it was, you know, actually came down to, to learning the game, which as everybody says, is such a big part, obviously it is. Um, yeah. That was something that you were kind of left on your own as a player. Um, you can go on YouTube and, you know, you'll get lucky half the time with a good video. The other half will just be like some guy just kind of just stream of consciousness in, you know, on a whiteboard type of thing yeah. where you're like, as a player, you're like, I don't, I don't even know if this is correct. And, and even if it is, um, where does that fit in conceptually? Yeah. And, and right. I guess in the bigger context of the game. So for me, it was all about, you know, empowering players to be able to, you know, tackle that area of the development on their own, mm -hmm. um, and, and really just putting something in their hands. And, and secondarily, um, 
it is a tool for coaches to be able to like have a little bit more, you know, uh, some more touch points with their players um, so that right. when they're not in training, their players can still be learning the game. Um, so quick version of how it came about was, you know, really through that journey, um, realizing there was a need for it. Um, my senior year of college, there was a like, you know, pitch competition to, to win a little bit of money to start a business. Um, so me and my business partner at the time kind of threw some together last minute and um, presented it and were able to get uh, a little bit of money to, to kind of get it started and got in like this program for the summer. Yep. Um, and from there, it kind of just, you know, kept going. So um, it was a typical founder story of, you know, working on it in the, the dorms and all that. And uh, yeah. So all good. So it's like the soon it's gonna be like the the, the Facebook story. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we're trending in that direction. Yeah, a couple more billion users, but <laughs> so just, just just you know that down the line, of course. But <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Starting at the dorm room. Um, yep. No, but that's that, that's great. And I guess um, I, I want to because you mentioned obviously you know player perspective but also coach perspective take us a little bit through like i guess each of those you know journeys as, as, as a player but also as a coach just so like yeah. get an essence of okay if i'm a player like how does it benefit me and i if i'm a coach like how can i utilize it yeah exactly so basically the platform is made up of individual modules um so a module is maybe 10 to 15 minutes um it's all online so players are completing it you know with their laptops or tablet tones, whatever. Yeah. Um, and the modules focus on different tactical principles. So if let's say you're a coach and you're working on switching play um, that week in training, you would log into Sports Lab 360, you'd you know find the module on switching play, hopefully work through it yourself so you know what you're presenting to your players. Um, yeah. And you can also like customize it and put some some notes in so your players are kind of seeing those as they go through. Right. Um, and you would then assign that module to your players to be completed before training. Um, so that way they're showing up and the dialogue during training as you're kind of working through the session itself um, is, you know, a little bit more contextual for them and they have something to kind of like tie it back to. Mm -hmm. um, so basically, you know, coaches from the coach perspective, you're making assignments, you're assigning our modules to your players, you're tracking their progress. There's you know, a variety of ways to do that. Um, you're customizing the content. And then there is a session plan library that we offer um, so that you can kind of connect the final dot and, you know, have some, some session plans to tap into to address that tactical principle. Right. Um, and then for the players, it's pretty straightforward. Um, you know, you will receive assignments from your coach, you'll log in, and then you'll work through each module. Um, and each module is basically has a video component. So it uses like real game film to kind of like introduce the topic and show some different examples. Right. And then they move on to the lesson, which is a, you know, 3D animated kind of interactive experience where it plays out different scenarios and then it will pause at a certain moment and, you know, ask the player, all right, based on what you learned, which option is the best. And obviously we're always explaining the why behind it and kind of running under the, you know, the assumption that there isn't necessarily best, but it, you know, yeah, you have to kind of start somewhere. So um, and then they move on to a quiz at the end. So that's where, you know, coaches are actually tracking the progress for players. Um, so, yeah. And I, and I think that's a very, you know, key, key lesson to it too, is sort of like testing what they're seeing, you know, not only just on the field, but sort of like, you know, being aware of, okay, what kind of decision would you make? Because at the end of the day, I mean, like 
football, you know, soccer, you know, it's, it's, it's all about making the right decisions, you know, and like and reading the game and at the end of the day, it's just a lot of decisions. And so, yeah. you know, like, it's always like this saying, right. It's that it, it, it's not always that, you know, your uh, I guess like your opponent is, is, or like that your team is doing well in order to score. It might be just that the opponent are doing mistakes. Like a lot of goals comes up out of mistakes. So it, it's sort of like, again, how do you capitalize on making the smart decisions? Right. So I, th- I think that's a very, very key lesson. And, and talking a little bit about like, I guess, like the, the business model on this. And, and I guess, because, you know, obviously, you know, can players directly buy it or is it just more like you kind of like targeting clubs you know, leagues and so forth that are, you know, okay, they're buying this as a service for their coaches. And then they kind of like, you know, branch it out, I guess, to their, to their players. How, do, how does it work, essentially, the model? Yeah, so I'd say when we launched um, a few years ago, yeah. it was certainly more focused on, you know, selling to clubs. They use it as a club. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then teams as well, like a lot of high school teams. Right. Um, it, I'd say it was always you know, a plan to not shift away from clubs. We're still like, we still build features that, you know, aren't even available to individual purchasers, like that are team features and and different things like that. Um, So that will always be a priority, but we've kind of shifted more focus onto individual subscriptions. So as a player, you know, you can jump on the website, subscribe, get an individual license and, you know, be able to have access to all the contents, um, you know, right away. Uh, so it, it has shifted more um, in that direction. But, um, you know, like I said, we're, we're always building out new features to, to keep yeah. it as something that clubs are going to use. Because in a perfect world, you know, you want, if you can have a coach who's bought into it and a team of players that are all bought into it, um, which at high levels of youth is certainly reasonable. I mean, most of their players and parents um, are, are going to be pretty involved. So, uh, you know, in those cases, uh, having coaches who are using it with their teams as a whole, and then there is actually dialogue happening the next day or the next week in training. Um, I think that's when it becomes even more effective. So, you know, always trying to continue to drive that as well. Yeah, that makes make, makes a lot of sense. And I guess, um, you know, just looking a little bit back to, you know, what we've been through to the last, I guess, like, you know, two years now with the pandemic. And I mean, like, I can't believe it's almost been like two years, which is kind of nuts yeah. <laughs> in itself. But, but um, I guess what kind of, you know, lessons did you learn from, you know, working on this through the pandemic, you know, kind of like, you know, sports stopping, you know, completely, no games, no, a lot of individual practice, I guess, but how did that sort of like adapt? Uh, how did you guys sort of like adapt to that new situation that, that, that came through it? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we were one of the, you know, the rare ones that honestly benefited at least for the first probably four or five months. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of funny looking at like our Google analytics, it's like, it, it wasn't flat before or after, but it yeah. looks flat because of like how much the, you know, the onset of that spiked it. So it was like a crazy, crazy few months. Um, yeah. I'd say the biggest thing, I, I don't even want to say, you know, the lesson of being prepared because like no one can actually be prepared for something like that happening. Right. Um, but being like having, having enough in place where you are in a position to be prepared. Like, so yeah and and with that too like also understand like being comfortable i guess in a somewhat chaotic state 
um, was helpful. I mean, there were certainly plenty of nights, like the first few months where it was kind of just nonstop. There'd be a few new clubs each day that were, they're interested in, you know, getting all of those set up while also trying to balance and juggle the other pieces um, was difficult, but I mean, also exciting. I mean, when you're working, so the first two years working, building up a program, you know, having, making $0 for two years because we, you know, didn't have a market ready platform. And then, you know, it's, it's becomes easier to work, you know, yeah. throughout the night type of thing during, during that boost. Um, right. But the other piece is, I mean, yeah, I'd say flexibility, comfortability and chaos. Um, and I'd say just being flexible with understanding that everybody also reacts to something like this in a different way. And, you know, not trying to like look at things in a macro perspective, um, even if it meant more work. Like if one club is like, hey, we're, we don't have the budget to like do one of your traditional plans at four months or 12 months, um, you know, working with them being like, all right, we can just, we can get you access for four weeks. Here's what it'll cost. You know, at the end of the day, you're sort of just throwing something out there mm. um, because there isn't a playbook for all of it. But yeah. um just understanding that people and clubs, organizations all are in their own, they're going through their own journey with it and um, just being open to working in any possible way with them. And, and at the end of the day, making sure that if they want the resource, um, you know, they're able to have access to it. So. Right. And uh, I guess it also kind of shifted, I guess, a little bit your, your marketing strategy in terms of like also, I guess, targeting all those, uh, hungry players that are like sitting at home you know weren't able to to go to pro team practices right which was you know for, for quite a long time you know that uh you know people can you know practice together e either almost you know or play games and stuff like that and then in that sense also like it becomes like well okay if you want to have like something extra you know that can help you you know you can buy this service right from you guys or like maybe because i guess like you know from a standpoint of a club too in a pandemic situation is that you know, financially, it, it, it hurts, you know, for mm -hmm. it really hurt at everyone, right? So it's kind of like, do we have the, the budget or can we also like offer this, I guess, in a sense as a, as a tool and a solution for the players to, okay, if you want to, you know, have some extra, then this is a, is a great way, but you have to kind of like maybe, maybe buy it yourself or something like that. How did you sort of like, I guess, go around like that from a marketing standpoint? Yeah, I mean, to kind of break it down between like club, team, and individual. I mean, individuals are like are always pretty straightforward. Um, you know, I'll work with them like when they when they reach out type of thing. But for the most part, um, like individuals kind of remain the same. There's obviously more activity from them. You know, you have parents or players going on, and you know, realizing that they're not going to be training for a while, and then they need something. So that was pretty straightforward with clubs um, and directors. There was, I mean, I didn't really have too much time to reach out to them. In a lot of cases, it was them realizing that, all right, we have the next, <laughs> at the time, yeah. we might have a whole month of this pandemic, God forbid. Yeah, um, yeah. so in, in like those cases, uh, they were the ones that were primarily kind of reaching out. So honestly, it was just a matter of having like a personal conversation with each of them. Um, there is only one of me, but like at the same time, you know, you're, 
if you're talking to a few clubs a day, it's, it's manageable. Um, so it's just figuring out what, what their needs are for their players. You know, maybe you can get access for the whole club. Maybe we have to pick the, you know, certain amount of teams that get access to it, but it really is like, there, there's not a, for me, at least there wasn't like a one size fits all answer mm -hmm. to, to getting those clubs taken care of type of thing. How, I mean, like, I guess like the title of this video, how one month of pandemic ended up to two years. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I mean, in the time, I was like, wow, I can't believe we're going to be in this thing for like a month, maybe two. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I remember like back when things really kicked off and I was like, people were like, hey, we'll be fine by summer. I'm like, yeah, no. I was, <laughs> no. One, I was one of those people. I was like, oh, this can't happen. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, hopefully in like two or three years now, we're not uh, looking back on this conversation and laughing. Although we haven't made any, you know, claims yeah. about when it's going to end. Hey, so we're, uh, we've I mean, learned, like, we've learned. Are we going to like put on a date or something like that? <laughs> I think we have to, yeah. We're gonna end that. <laughs> I yeah. don't even want to say it, you know, like it's just, I mean, like, I, I feel like we're uh, at a positive point at least. So, I mean, like for, from our side, I mean, like Norway is open, like fully now. So I'm mean, like, we're kind of like in a good good spot uh at least yeah. but again we're, we're only 5.5 million people so it's a little bit different yeah i don't really that's all yeah we're just all over the place here so you know but uh i wanted to i wanted to talk a little bit of course like the value of digital tools you know for players and for coaches especially during i guess you know p pandemic and uh you know, that, I guess, demand for, you know, digital tools has, has, you know, you know, rapidly increased in general in a sense, but, and, and you talk a little bit about like, okay, how these, you know, directors, clubs were, you know, were reaching out to you and it's sort of like, okay, it's a pandemic, but I guess like how did, I guess, the, the value of these digital tools sort of like increase or get impacted or like how did it yeah. impact essentially the demand that was happening in, in the market for you guys during the pandemic? Yeah. Yeah. So definitely a, a big kind of increasing demand. And, and it was, it was interesting because five, six, seven months after, yeah. you know, clubs went from like that initial, like two weeks of like, okay, we need to, like, we still have a budget because we're, you know, this was so recent that we can, right. you know, spend money on the tool to make sure our players are still, engaged and developing um and then fast forward like five or six months and that's part of the reason we shifted a lot more towards individuals is because mm -hmm. clubs after you know a period of time of not having players come in and registration fees stopping or right. getting cut in half they were pretty much in a position to you know not have even even something like this that is a remote platform um mm -hmm. and is obviously helpful at this time it isn't technically you know essential um, so for a lot of clubs, it was like, we really want to, but like, we can't spend a dime for, you know, right. another tool that's not completely necessary right now. Um, so, and then with, I, like in general, like you said, yeah, like obviously technology has been, you know, trending forward, um, <laughs> since we've been alive, but, uh, Right. I think what maybe was learned by a lot of clubs and I like you, I remember it in college too, is there's so much really good technology out there for player development. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a matter of like what, uh, such a matter of how you implement it. Like I, I know there are so many 
resources that you know a team or an individual coach or right. a club will use and like they'll pay a lot of money for it and it's like you you still need to like implement it and like be intentional every day and every week about right. how you're using it and then yep. you'll get a ton out of it um, and that's the same with sports live 360 so like you could subscribe and never use it you're obviously not going to get value from it um, so i think that has previously when we were in person it was like okay we can we can afford to like invest in something use it maybe to 30 40 50 60% of its you know ability um, because we have in person and i think with covid it was people realized you know we need to we're going to be spending on you know sports Life 360 or any other platform out there you know we need to make sure that we're getting like at least at least 80 90 you know hopefully like 100% value from it right. um so it just changed the way that people approach it and right. you know how intentional and, and thought out they are with with actually using it so i think you're talking about something really important though here and that that's kind of like at the end of the day you know like people can buy tools and services but if they don't utilize it or if they don't kind of like you know go in okay learn how to do it like spend the time you know utilizing what the value is in there then it's sort of like, well, I mean, like, yes, you can buy the tool, but you have to like put down some effort in order to make things work. You know, it's like you yeah. have a lot of great resources out there, but if you don't utilize it, like, of course, it's not going to like bring a lot of value until you use it. That's the whole point, yeah. you know, if it's yeah. so that, that, that's that's sort of like a key lesson, I guess, where people are kind of like expecting where, OK, we bought this tool. Now you're going to make our players, you know, 80 percent better. <laughs> and like, yeah. well, yes, but only if you actually use it right yeah exactly there's not yet a solution that that does that part for you you still still yeah, have to be engaged like, with it and probably never <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, probably not yeah so yeah that's been yeah but i mean hopefully that's kind of helped make people more aware of that yeah. um as, you know as we hopefully move out of it so well, I think also for you guys, right? It got a lot more eyes, you know, on yourself there, and, and sort of like people testing it, people understanding, okay, like this, 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 it is, this is a valuable tool if we have sort of like the, the, the I guess the resources or or the, the the people to get involved in learning it and utilizing it to the the players and coaches and so forth, and I mean like that also will come like with I guess like the shift of like you know the the clubs giving more getting more revenue like having more members again and being more activity like that sort of like value i guess also shifts to like okay now we can spend that time or that resources to to utilize it the fullest you know yeah exactly and i mean that's like part of the i don't know somewhat of like confirmation bias if you're spending money on something or you're or you're investing time in it then it kind of helps itself along um yeah so you know usually if you can get a good first few weeks with the platform um, and probably most platforms and you build a, a good habit around it as a coach and also as a player, you know, taking 10, 15 minutes to work through a module. Um, yeah. And it just becomes, all right, I've invested time in this. I've invested money and we know it's something that will help. And it just becomes a little bit easier to make that sustainable throughout the course of the season. To sort of like wrap up here though, I guess, um, from a more, I guess, entrepreneurial slash, um, you know, professional standpoint where, you know, we have a lot of young, you know, students and professionals are like tuning in here, trying to learn, you know, what to do in the big world of sports and football and all this fancy stuff. And, 
And I guess like, you know, what tips do you have for them that are looking for a career, I guess, in football technology and maybe also, you know, working with players and coaches? What are some of the, you know, things that you learned speaking with all these, you know, directors, coaches now that you see, okay, this is some areas where they need help or where, you know, football technology can be a very useful resource? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I guess for, I, and I'm sure most people probably say this, but putting yourself out there and like actually trying to get and saying this somewhat ironically now, but, you know, trying to get in person in front of different people um, and, and different companies, like, you know, going to the United Soccer Coaches Convention, for example, um, you have, I don't even, 12 or 13,000 or something, I'm probably way off on that number, but um, a lot of soccer coaches going out and, yeah. um, you know, there's probably, uh, you know, 80 or 90 different, you know, football technology companies to, to choose from. And, you know, you can walk up to anybody and have a conversation about it and learn a little bit more about what direction you might want to go, um, yeah. you know, as an individual. So, I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing. Like they're, they're, are clearly enough out there. And I think there are also so many like in an early stage, um, you know, we're still relatively early. Like you guys have been, you guys have been around for. Yeah. I mean, like we all, we released technically our public beta in January, 2020. So we're still pretty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so there's like so many that are still in the, or even like pre-growth phase um, right. that, you know, could be good opportunities to get involved with. And, and maybe if you're, taking your first or second job, you're, you're probably not starting off at, uh, you know, the top by any means, but, um, that's kind of what's exciting about, you know, starting with a, a new company that's, you know, maybe, maybe they're doing something completely different, or maybe they're, you know, filling a need that has been attempted to be filled, but, but hasn't yet. So really just finding, you know, what mission you can get behind. I mean, that is, sounds cliche, but like, you know, kind of comes down to that. If you're not, working for a company that, that you're believing in, especially if you're going into sports technology, you know, you're probably doing it because you, you know, have a passion for player development or making things, you know, generally easy for coaches, players, et cetera. So finding out like, you know, what the ultimate kind of why is for you. Um, and then from there, you got enough companies to choose from and, you know, people are generally friendly. So just, you know, reach out, make an introduction. If you can do it in person, even better. Um, but, you know, getting out there knowing that there'll be some rejection, but, you know, mostly good conversations and, and learning, you know, even, a, even a conversation that doesn't end up with a job, you now have a greater picture of what the sports industry looks like. So, you know, you can't go wrong opening as many doors as possible, I'd say. I think that's uh, it's a very good advice. And I mean, like, who knows, maybe there, there's coming a few, you know, I don't know, sports lab 360 internships opportunities. Yeah, yeah, we've had we've had them before. Yeah, you know, yeah. So like you know, I, th I think we gotta you know post something on on Sporting Global soon. <laughs> we do. Yeah, I think we got a meeting like next week about it. So let's do it. On it. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I think if there's also like one key lesson here to sort of like wrap up with what you were saying is, you know, put like go to the places where your audience is. You know, like you were talking about the conventions, right? Where like these coaches are, and like you know be be at those places you know and talk with them even if you don't necessarily know what you're going to do yet it's the perfect way to kind of like just pick people's brains see what's going on see how the you know market is moving and understanding like also in that i guess it's almost like an ocean right in these conventions of like companies that are you know helping out and doing different kind of things and sort of like getting an eye of like what is what is important you know talking with the coaches and understanding like what are they working on and just 
you know, being part of that ecosystem, it's, it's also like, you know, I, I had like someone else as well was talking like, yeah, it, it's cool that you're maybe going there once, but if you go there, like, you know, two, three, four, maybe five times, people will see your face because it's still a lot of the same people going every yeah. year. And then you're sort of like, oh, I saw you last year. Who, who are you again? Right. And then you sort of like becoming a part of that network, that community, and that opens a lot of doors and opportunities. I think that's a, you know, a very key lesson that you that, that you're bringing up here, you know, being present yeah. in those places. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, yeah, it doesn't happen overnight, but if you, if you're committed to it for, you know, a few years, you can like, yeah, make a, a huge difference in, in who you have access to. Um, and yeah. And I'd say, uh, more objectively, LinkedIn premium. I think I did like a, I think you can do like a 30 day trial or something. And then you're, you know, you're, uh, yeah. you're like, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> it's more <fun and> global. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it's oh, true. Yeah, that, that one's on me. <laughs> uh, that one is you. We're going to cut that right out. Yeah, get that out of there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's all good um no but uh like uh, nick i would like to thank you you know so much for for joining us you know and for for taking the time to sharing your your story with us and and also some good tips about your journey of course we're uh, excited to see where you know sports lab 360 will will go you know moving forward but it's it, it's an exciting market and uh, it, it's a place where you know now more than ever you know like people you know need to need to do things from home they need to also like you know be more uh, i guess have to be like the balance between like getting the direct coaching and, and doing stuff on yourself and everybody knows as well if you're going to be you know the best you have to work a lot on your free time on the spare time to practice to to learn and as you said as well like you know learning how to make the smart decisions so it is it's a good tool and uh we wish you you know all the best you know moving forward i don't know if you have any closing remarks um not really i'm still trying to figure out how to backpedal my way out of uh <laughs> the endorsement there so <laughs> no no i mean yeah i i i need to jump on and i've yeah I, we when we connected like it had been like six months, right? I mean, it was a while ago. Yeah. Um, so I like, I, I mean, it's when we connect next week, I would appreciate a full, a full intro into the actual program. Cause it's like peripherally, I've kept in touch with you guys, but um, it would be good to, to hear what, what's changed and, and all that. But um, no, closing remarks. I mean, uh, nothing, nothing groundbreaking. It was, it was good to chat with you. Um, and I think as as you learned the same thing going through the past couple of years, it's just thinking on your feet, trying to open doors, you know, not not taking anything, uh, being open to you know open to the chaos of everything, and uh, you know putting yourself out there. So um, yeah, it was it was good to good to connect, and uh, yeah, glad we can make it happen. Absolutely. Well, I, we have like a tradition here in the Sporting Global podcast that we're for, I guess, forcing every guest to do. And, and so we have to, we have to teach you a little bit Norwegian, Nick, you know? Yeah, let's do it. That's how it does. So with every video we do, we always finish with Visnakis, which means see you later in Norwegian. So that's what you got to say. Visnakis? 
There you go. See, it's oh, that, the pronunciation is probably pretty bad on your end. Yeah, huh? you're you're doing well. You're doing well. It's uh, <laughs> it is one of the good ones. You're one of the good ones. He's nice. Yeah. All right, I might have to learn Norwegian apparently. You, you have to now. There's no other option. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm on it. <laughs> awesome, Nick. All right, <laughs> thank you so much, and we'll we'll talk very soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Martin. Thank you.